Hello, everyone, and welcome to James Cameron's Titanic Scene by Scene, a podcast, a new podcast, dedicated to breaking down this epic movie scene by scene, uh, because it's a very important movie in the world of films and popular culture, and it's very important, I think, to analyze this stuff and talk about why it's so successful, why it remains so successful. That is what this podcast is all about, so I'm Brittany Butler. I'm Ethan Brem. And yeah, <laughs> this is what we're here to do. I'm so excited about this. Me too. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. There's so, 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 so much to break down about this movie. It, it's crazy. It, it's truly never ending. Uh, There's so much content. So much movie. content. <laughs> yeah. So this is a quite a big undertaking. I don't really know why I'm putting myself through this, but... <laughs> because podcasts are fun. Podcasts are fun. They are fun. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're going to get right into this uh, for our introduction episode, just to let you guys know, you know, what this podcast is really all about and a little bit about ourselves and then, you know, just general thoughts to just sort of kick this thing off. So yeah, this movie is pretty much, I would say, the last of the old Hollywood epic sort of movie format. I don't really think there's been a movie like this since. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's just a testament to why it's so popular, I think, and mm-hmm. still so popular. I mean, obviously, we had movies right after this trying to bounce off the success. Like we had Pearl Harbor. Yeah, Pearl Harbor. Like, <laughs> that's like the one that pops out to me. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Pearl Harbor is like not good. But uh, I mean, like you can make a case. I don't know what your feelings are about Avatar. I love Avatar. It's kind of, I mean, it's also James Cameron, though. He has a very good understanding of you know cinematic movies and how to make something just feel really old school and mm-hmm. theatrical and mm-hmm. uh, I mean one of my favorite movies of all time is Terminator 2 yeah and that was like uh, you know one of his movies yeah I mean I, you gotta love the guy I mean honestly for for him to have the highest grossing movie of all time for like 12 years and then the only movie that can surpass it is another one of his movies <laughs> Like, it's crazy. Every single thing he comes out with, you like, now, especially, you have to say, whoa, like, your ears have to perk up and be mm-hmm. like, dude, this is James Cameron. Like, what is he going to come up with now? His legacy is, like, set in stone, man. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. So before we get into anything else, I think it's important for us to really introduce ourselves. So do you want to go first? Because I've... Yeah, you go. You Or you want me to go? I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay. So Ethan... You, got, you probably have more to say than me. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sort of like the resident... Titanic. Uh. Yeah. I'm along for the ride pretty much. <laughs> That's why I thought it'd be interesting because like I'm like the Titanic enthusiast super fan, especially of this movie. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of like the movie buff who sort of has a lot of knowledge about movies in general and loves movies in general. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be cool for us to come together and, you know, analyze yeah. it together. And uh, so so tell us a little bit about yourself, about, yeah. you know, your love for movies, etc., etc. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a big movie guy. I'm a film critic. I've been running a, like an entertainment blog since basically since 2010. Um, and I write for a few other outlets. My blog is actually how uh, you, Brittany, and I met. Yep. I, so I started in 2010 because my New Year's resolution that year was to watch every wide release movie in theaters, which I did. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about all of them. And I think it was 140 exactly movies that year. And so I just started with that. And then 
after that year, I kind of took like a, like a year off and I was like, Oh man, I can't write about movies anymore. And then I just <laughs> found myself wanting to keep writing about it though. I was like watching movies and I had so much to say a couple years later, or a year or two later, I developed a movie rating system yep. where it's like scoring it out of a hundred. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's so hard to just say, you know, four stars out of five or like, yeah. especially like look at a movie like Titanic. You can't just say, Oh, it's a four and a half out of five. Like you have to break it down into like story and, and mm-hmm. acting and directing and even just like personal taste, mm-hmm. which is, is hard to do. Yeah. And I kind of just uh, based my, my personal blog, my movie critic blog off of that rating system. And I actually haven't done Titanic, the actual rating. I, the last time I saw it was before I, I developed this. Okay. Cause I was going to say, I was going to say, what's your, what's your uh, rating? Yeah, for yeah. Titanic? I mean, I was trying to think, I was like, well, I, I, I want to now. Have you watched it in full yet since? Um, I've seen bits and pieces. The first and last time I watched it all the way through was in 2012 when oh. they re-released it in theaters. Oh, you, did, you you went to see it in the theater? Yeah, it was Oh, that's yeah, great. So I'm cool. glad you got to do that. I'm so glad. So my wife had seen it and she liked it. And so I was like, I want to see it. I haven't seen it all the way through. I've, you know, I know the famous scenes and I know mm-hmm. all the, you know, I know how it ends and like all that stuff. But mm-hmm. it's just one of those things you kind of like see it on TV or whatever. Yep. And you just kind of watch it or like someone's playing it. So I, I was like, I want to see it for the first time in theaters all the way through. And so I did it and I was like, holy cow, this is like the coolest movie to see in theaters. No, it is. It's it so is. theatrical. And like, mm-hmm. it's almost like, does it a disservice to not see it in theaters? But it was so cool. And I've always kind of been a fan of just the Titanic in general. I mean, a fan, but like, uh, you know, I've been, yeah. I guess, an enthusiast, I guess. Yeah, just uh, interested in the history and Yeah, and it's just so, it's the magnitude of it. Is, it's hard to put a finger on why it's so... It's so captivating. Yeah, it's so, it evokes like emotion and it is captivating. And I've been to the um, the Titanic Museum in Pigeon Forge, Tennis, Tennessee, and mm-hmm. that's such a cool museum. No, it. I'm actually, I'm in the process of trying to plan a trip to get out there to the Pigeon oh, Forge yeah. one. I haven't really traveled too much, so... I really mm-hmm. want to get out there. Um, yeah, you have to go. It's so cool. They have like a simulation where you can go outside and you feel the actual temperature mm-hmm. that it was that night that the Titanic sank. And you can like put your hand in the water and it's like the exact temperature of how how cold the water was. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. And just putting your hand in it, you're like, it's impossible that anyone, but just the will to survive. Mm-hmm you know, kept people going. And I think that's like all of this history, you know, behind the, um, the Titanic itself, you know, basing a movie off of that. I mean, right Mm. away, you already have a very captivating base for the movie, like Mm -hmm. this ship that has, you know, fascinated people for so long. I mean, yeah, I mean that, that's a pretty, um, solid story to work off of. Um, I was just saying there's weight behind it. Mm-hmm, I mean, exactly. You know, it, it, like there's something to watch a movie about something where everyone knows kind of like ultimately what's going to happen on a macro sense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't necessarily know what the first time you see it, maybe what's going to happen to the characters. Yep. Um, and there's just this kind of like impending doom that keeps you on the edge of your seat. And, and even when you rewatch it, it makes you almost just, it's like heartbreaking Mm -hmm. to like know what's going to happen and then to see these characters develop a relationship and then still know what's going to happen in the end. It's like very emotional. And, and, uh, and I mean, obviously I, I, James Horner scores like probably my favorite film score of all time. And I I loved it even before I saw the movie all the way through. I just like, it gives me goosebumps every time I hear Rose's theme. Mm -hmm. It's just so, it's a beautiful piece of music, I think. 
we're kind of getting into some other stuff before we get there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, any like early memories you have of Titanic? Uh, I mean, I remember when it came out in 1997, I was eight. And I wanted to see it because I just wanted to see every movie. But um, <laughs> I remember my parents saying, like, I couldn't see it because it had, like, a nude woman in it. And yep. and uh, I was a boy, so they were like, yeah, we don't want you seeing nude women. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I get it. And <laughs> But, like, all my friends saw it because uh, we grew up in the 90s and, like, a lot of parents didn't care, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> like, boys' parents. I mean, I guess it's different if you're a girl because it's like, okay, you've seen, like, a, you know, female parts I guess but yeah uh, yeah I mean like as a boy like a lot of my friends saw it and they're like dude Titanic was awesome and I'm like stop telling me that it was awesome because I want to see it I just remember it it was just kind of like culturally impactful and Mm -hmm. you know it was just something everyone was talking about in an era where there wasn't as much content as there is now I mean now when when everyone's talking about something like they move on to the next thing really quickly yep I mean, Titanic was number one for, what was it, like 13 weeks or something crazy? Uh, I think it was 15. 15 weeks, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. insane. And so people were talking about the number one movie. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember the line going to the theaters, and I was, we went to go see, like, Mr. Magoo or something like that, <laughs> and uh, the Leslie Nielsen movie, and the line for Titanic was, I was like, what is that line for the, oh, man, Titanic? It was just like a thing. Like, you just mm-hmm. went to the movies for, like, three months, and just the lines for Titanic were ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Anything else? I want to know your history. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. All right. So, I was five when I first saw this movie. I must have been four in 1997, and then I was five in 98. It was the very end of 97. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I was five years old uh, when the movie was, you know, really happening, and. It's crazy because it's it's almost like the, like the way you said how it's such a cultural thing. It's almost like one of those things where everyone remembers where they were, like mm-hmm. when this movie was happening or like when they first saw it or, you know, who they went with, the way it smelled and like all this stuff. Like cause it's just such an, an experience. And of course, I was too young to see it in the theaters, so I don't mm-hmm. have any of those memories attached to when it was, you know, really happening and everything. But my memory I do have that is very vivid is from when my mom came home from seeing the movie for the first time in the theater. Um, I was home with a babysitter and my mom came into the house and she was crying like pretty hard still like she was she was really upset she was just crying and I remember being really concerned as a five-year-old and I I I I mean I can see it in my head perfectly my mom coming in the door like her crying and then I asked her I was like what's wrong mom and she's like the movie was so good that's like all I remember and then I was like as soon as she said that though I became really, really interested in it. So I was like, oh, can I see it? Like, what was it called? And she was like, uh, it, it was Titanic. And no, you can't see it because it's, you know, because the same thing. Like her thought was yeah. like, oh, nudity and death and whatever. So she was like, you're yeah. five. You can't see this. It's morbid too, yeah. <laughs> You know, it, it was just like a movie that was, you know, obviously more suited for an older audience. This is the interesting thing about Titanic, though. It has such a magical quality that there's something in it for everybody. Mm-hmm. Which is why I personally think 
you know, it is one of the biggest films of all time, if not the biggest of modern times. Mm-hmm. You know, that's for a reason. Like, like there really is something here for everybody. And eventually, uh, my mom and my grandparents, they bought it for me on VHS. Uh, and this was still in 1998 and Titanic was still in the theaters. It was released on VHS while it was yeah. still in the movie theater, which is insane. Yeah. You know, this movie was in theaters for almost a, a full year. Mm-hmm. So I actually don't know why I never got around to seeing it in the theater after I had seen it on VHS, because that I would have loved that. I remember after I saw it on on VHS, I was like, I want to see it in the theater. Like it became my dream to see Titanic yeah. on the big screen. And of course, I got to fulfill that dream in 2012, which oh, was amazing. You to, yeah. yeah. So I saw it like five times in 3D and once in IMAX. <laughs> Uh, I, I oh, needed. Oh man, that would have been so cool in IMAX. I never yeah. saw it in IMAX. That'd have been sweet. Yeah, it's just, just, it's just all encompassing, you know. Like mm. when you see it on a screen that big and the sound is that loud, and you know, you're, you're, you're confined to your seat for three hours. You know, you, yeah. you have to pay attention to everything that's happening. You know, I made up for lost time by seeing it that many times in the theater. Mm-hmm. But you know, I remember just becoming absolutely obsessed with my VHS tape. I used to take it everywhere with me. I don't know why. Um, it was just it was just my favorite thing in the world. I was just absolutely in love with it. I had like a little plastic heart of the ocean necklace that I wore nice. a lot. I loved it. And I had so many books on the ship too. Like as a five, six, seven year old when, you know, mm-hmm. still the 90s and Titanic mania was still a thing for a few years. Like, you know, it was still like yeah. everywhere. You know, I was super super into it and you know it sparked an interest in the actual ship in tiny child me uh so you know i had books on the ship i had the james cameron's titanic new york times bestseller movie companion book Mm -hmm. and i took that with me to kindergarten and first grade and everything and i was like educating all the kids in my class on the history of the ship and stuff about the movie and my teachers they were like i don't think this is appropriate uh, for you to be teaching other small children about this i was just i was just in love with it and i didn't understand i was like i was like what's so bad about this it's it's amazing needless to say seeing a movie like Titanic at such a young age it was number one mind-blowing number two I remember clearly thinking and actually saying after the first few times I watched it this is the best movie ever I was like this is going to be my favorite movie forever like I remember saying that when I was a little (laughs) kid and of course you know however many years later now um, you know we're coming up on 25 years and in a few years now in three years or so there still has not been a movie that's come along and knocked this off its pedestal in my heart yeah so and i don't think that's going to be possible anyway just because of the like indelible market left on me as as a kid you know like nothing's ever going to be able to replace that it it means the world to me like it really does like i almost so much so that i can't even verbalize it like you know what Mm. i mean it's like it's like one of those things where it's like it's like so many intangible things about the movie that make it so special and mm-hmm. it's just it's it's almost overwhelming where i'm like i don't even know where to start i don't even know how to put it into words that's pretty much my titanic origin story uh i'm sure we'll it's, get into it, more down the line it, but it, uh it's funny you say your favorite movie you know it's been your favorite movie nothing's topped it and i think it's true like when we talk about like our favorite movies like i have i have like an actual list of like my top 150 favorite movies like mm-hmm. in order and uh like my top five 
And they're all movies that I've loved since I was a kid. Like, I'm never going to watch like a new movie in theaters and be like, oh, that's like my, that tops like all these movies that meant so much to me throughout my life. Like, it's just not going to happen. I mean, and you know, it's not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen that there's certain movies that mean the world to us. You identify with it and it just does something to you when you watch it. Yeah. So I get, I get what you mean. And it's, it's the same way with music, right? Like the music that mm-hmm. I fell in love with in my yeah. formative years, which for me was like 11, 12, 13, 14. I know mm-hmm. that like, I'm never going to fall in love with a band later in yeah. life that's ever going to take the place of the music I fell in love with when I was becoming the person I am. You of know what course. I mean? It's it's like, yeah. and you know, for, for me to have seen something like Titanic when I was so young, you know, even before you start really becoming your own person, from that point on, I feel like I started becoming my own person at like the age mm-hmm. of five, like because of this mm-hmm. movie, like something about it ever since then, like I said, my life is defined by like pre-Titanic and post-Titanic and my pre-Titanic life was not very long, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Four years. So That's funny. it's like pretty much from the time yeah. I was old enough to really comprehend life and death and, and all this stuff, you know, Titanic was there and formed mm. my opinion on it. And it was a lot to take in for a five-year-old, but strangely I am not the only kid out there that fell in love with this movie at such a young age and again it goes back to how fascinating the actual Titanic is and and Mm -hmm. you know there's something about it that's very like mystical interesting that is able to capture the imaginations of people young and old just across Mm -hmm. the board which I think definitely contributes to this movie's success in addition to everything that James Cameron brought to it there's so much happening to you at your life when when this stuff happens and and when you find your favorite movie for the first time like it becomes your world right and Mm -hmm. I think at this point in our lives that's not happening we have so much other stuff happening in our lives that yep those movies or those songs or whatever, they don't encompass as much of our world mm-hmm. um, when you're older. So I think that's why it, it, they mean a lot too. And time moves slower when you're younger. Oh yeah. You know, it's like 100%. as you grow older, it's just life is going yeah. by so fast. You don't really have time to to really connect with things the way you did when yeah. you were growing up. Exactly. Yeah. And you just got other stuff to think about, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, so I saw the uh, 2003 IMAX documentary, The Ghosts of the Abyss, before I saw the actual Titanic movie. Ooh. And my dad took me to see it. And I, 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 looking back, I have no idea why we went to go see it. It was just really <laughs> random. Because it's not, I, I don't know if I asked to see this or, or what, but we went to go see it. And it was just so cool. And I think that might have, now thinking back, that might have been what kind of sparked my, uh, my fascination with the actual Titanic. Because mm-hmm. it's a really good documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's with James Cameron and yep. uh, I think Bill Paxton narrates it. And that's the thing, too. You know, I know there are a lot of Titanic enthusiasts out there who, you know, really love and care about the actual ship and the history mm-hmm. who are not the biggest fans of this movie. And some of them are, I would say, tend to hate on it a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like if you love and care about Titanic, you know, you have a lot to thank James Cameron for. I mean, this man has done so much uh, as far as, you know, research on the ship, providing such amazing footage of the ship at the bottom of the ocean, you know. You know, he's done so many documentaries now, like trying to break down exactly how it sank. And, you know, I don't know if we would have got this stuff um, as detailed as we have it if it weren't for him, because I don't think someone with his level of power in the, you know, in the entertainment world cares enough 
about the Titanic yeah. to have done something this big. Yeah. It was definitely passion based. And I was reading somewhere he said, I just wanted to make this movie as an excuse to be able to. Yep. Like, explore the wreck. Go explore the wreck. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like, there's probably some truth behind that, though. I mean, that's what you want to do, right? I like, think that was like part of the pitch. He was like, can you give me money to like go down to the ocean floor? <laughs> They're like, OK. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, just a little background on the movie, of course. At the time, it was the most expensive movie ever made, yeah. I believe. Uh, and it was... Ri- it was 200 Yeah, 200 million. And it was written up on all of the media outlets. Everyone was talking about yeah. Titanic leading up to it. And all the press was pretty negative. Uh, everyone was talking about how there's no way this movie is going to be able to make back its budget. Uh, yeah. It's going to be horrible. It's going to flop. And, and that was a big, a big thing. And of course, it's released. I think opening weekend, it had a pretty modest opening weekend. It wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't breaking records or anything like that. It was only like a little bit above... I think was was it Tomorrow Never Dies? Um, yeah, was it even was it number one its first week? I, it I was number one, but just okay, by, a could, hair, by a hair, by a right? hair. Okay. It was like twenty eight yeah. million, maybe. Uh, yeah, or it might have been James Bond. I think I want to say. Yeah, but but yeah. It, yeah, it was just by a hair, and so they were like, "Oh man, like you know, we we did all right, like we're number one, but I mean, eh, it's not yeah. that." Good. But then. The weird thing is that, you know, the next week it was higher, the next week it was higher. Its popularity kept growing, which you don't really see stuff like that happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like word of mouth and everyone was telling everyone you got to see it. And then other people were coming back to see it over and over and over again. It, it, people always mention that it was, you know, teen girls came to see it over and over again for the romance and Leo. But there yeah. were so many other people like there were adults that went to see it over and over again. There were grandmas that saw it a bunch. There were, you know parents and you know everyone saw this movie probably at least twice like so many people went to see it more than once it definitely wasn't just the teen audience Mm -hmm. it was just it was huge it was such a big cultural thing it was the first movie to surpass the one billion grossing mark uh and it and it reached that pretty quickly i think because uh it's amazing that it is still at the top of highest grossing films because back then a ticket yeah. for a movie cost like four fifty versus like ten bucks. Yeah, like whereas now it's yeah. anywhere from like ten to twelve dollars. Like depending on where you see the movie, you could pay up to seventeen if it's like three D or oh my or whatever. It, it's yeah. crazy. So it's much easier for movies yeah. now to hit the milestones Titanic was making then. Mm-hmm. I saw an article recently that said that Black Panther just beat Titanic in domestic gross. But that's but again, also like, like you said, but it's. Titanic, I mean, like some of it, it was re-released, but it was already number one mm-hmm. off the initial run. Whereas like a movie like Gone with the Wind, which everyone's like, oh, adjusted for inflation, Gone with the Wind is the most, uh, has the highest box office gross. And I'm like, yeah, it was re-released like 30 times. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, of course, like on its initial run, it wasn't, It it's not the top adjusted for inflation. Same goes for Titanic as well. The 3D re-release amazingly raked in like $300 million worldwide, which is impressive for any movie. And it's it's crazy to think that at the time, a 15-year-old movie was able to be re-released in theaters and make that much money. Uh, It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. The re-release is what put its total gross past $2 billion. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Was it, this is what I was confused about. It was the 1998 Oscars that it won, 
Yeah, right? it was, yes. So, the, so and if the movie came out in December of 97, it was only in theaters for like two months by the time the Oscars yeah. came around, mm-hmm. which is it's crazy to me. It's still number one. When a movie gets nominated, you know, there's a, there's still a buzz around it, especially mm-hmm. if it's nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Back then, there were only five nominees, so people were seeing it again, probably, and people who hadn't seen it already were like, whoa, this movie is not just, you know, a chick flick, like it's actually nominated for an Oscar for Best mm-hmm. Picture, so maybe it is pretty good. And so people went to go see it. And it's so funny, you know, how you mentioned the chick flick thing. I never, like, got that, because this movie, I had said, it has something literally for everyone. This is not just, you know, I've heard so many people, I, I've been listening to a lot of movie podcasts uh, and their one-off episodes covering Titanic. Mm-hmm. A lot of the reviews by guys, uh, you know, they keep saying every compliment they gave the movie started with like i mean i'm not the audience for it but i mean like i can appreciate this i'm like okay but in my opinion the target audience for this movie is anyone with a pulse like from the subject matter at the movie's core which you know is the true story of 1500 people dying i don't understand how that is directed towards just teen girls uh, because it's really not. That's what made, I think, James Cameron, that was like the heart of his pitch too, I think. He was like, no, 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 it's not just a love story, it's a disaster movie. And they're like, what? That doesn't even make sense. And so <laughs> he was like, no, 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 just watch. Just give me the money. I'm going to make it work. Like, it's going to be really good. It's going to be cool, I hope. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he crossed his fingers. But, like, I mean, he, I, I think he believed in it. He was just every, you know, when people doubt you, you tend to maybe second guess yourself a little bit. But, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that was what his he based it on, was not just being one audience. He wanted it to hit different notes. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and his, his actual pitch was just, he showed them a picture of the Titanic sinking, and he said, Romeo and Juliet on that ship. Yeah. That was that was his pitch. That was it. But I think the fact that it's that ship, Titanic specifically, is mm-hmm. the point. To get the experience of what it was like on the Titanic across to a to, you know, a mainstream audience. I think mm-hmm. that's the main thing and, and you get that experience through the characters. Yeah, it's I I'll get into more of that in a minute. But going back to this movie having something for everyone, I went through all of the genres this movie covers uh, and it's incredible how he was able to do this so seamlessly Um, and this is why you know it's not just meant for one audience this movie is a historical fiction period piece Uh, it's a romance movie it's a disaster tragedy movie Uh, it's a thriller action uh, he managed to put some genuinely funny moments in there. Like I, I was watching it and I was like, wow, this has like personality. Like this, this is pretty yeah. funny at times. So like he was able to include some lighthearted moments in there. It's adventurous, uh, from Jack and Rose. We, you know, we get to explore the whole ship with them and they're going on this young adventure in their lives. Uh, you got the underwater exploration aspect of it, which, you know, if there's any people that are into that. It's like there's know, science, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like science stuff. Um, So you got that box checked and then you got the drama, of course. And Mm -hmm. then with Rose's whole storyline, you kind of have this really like feminist, like coming of age thing uh, for her um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, some people can relate to. And it's crazy. So he he covered like (laughs) all of that stuff. Like, no wonder it's like one of the biggest films of all time. At least, you know, that that's why, in my opinion, it deserves every Oscar at one. Mm -hmm. That's why it deserves Best Picture, in my opinion. Like so many people debate whether or not it deserves that award. 
And in my mind, it's no contest. I'm like, what other movie was that, number one, groundbreaking? Number two, just like able to cover so much ground, be so universal, and on top of that, actually have emotional weight, actually have a message like it's it's amazing it's amazing like in in, yeah. in so many aspects i really do think it's it's a masterpiece and some of the best movies i think are ones that you can't just pigeonhole into like one genre mm-hmm. like you watch a couple scenes in, or one scene here and there and you're like oh, okay it's this and then you watch another scene and you're like oh, okay it also has elements of this and i think that's kind of fun too like it basically subverts all these formulas and mm-hmm. puts it into one thing mm-hmm. and that's what makes it so cool yeah and I think um, that's one thing, but there's also themes, like thematic things that are covered in this movie yeah. that are forever relevant. There are messages in this movie that are forever relevant. Mm-hmm. In my mind, what I always say is that it was expertly crafted to touch the human spirit. Yeah. Everything it covers is stuff that affects us all. As the, as a viewer watching this movie you experience a plethora of emotions because you know you're you're right there with these characters throughout you know a lot of people call the movie overrated pandering garbage and crap and they they love to hate on it and you know Mm -hmm. they try to say that it's so simple and so um it's so elementary (laughs) it's lowest common denominator stuff and i'm like okay Mm. but it's i find it very interesting how the people that say that stuff they kind of say it as if they're up on a high horse without realizing that they're completely overlooking everything else the movie is actually offering. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of them may not have even seen the whole movie. Like, I know a lot of people <laughs> who hate on movies that they've never seen. Like, I always say I won't knock, like, an art, like a music artist unless I've heard enough of their stuff to say mm-hmm. I don't like them. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to knock a movie unless I've seen the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Titanic has become one of those movies where its reputation precedes it so much that people feel like they don't need to see it. Like they've, they've heard enough about it and they're like, I don't need to see that movie. I'm never seeing that movie. Like there are people that pride themselves on never seeing Titanic as if they're like super cool for it. And I'm like, okay. I think if you're an enthusiast of the Titanic itself, you have to like this movie. And when I went to the museum talking to the curators, they all, and these were all like, you know, older guys, a lot of times they all Mm -hmm. loved the Titanic movie. They love James Cameron's movie because Mm -hmm. of, it, it perfectly captured that shroud of mystery that just goes over the entire elusiveness of, of the Titanic boat. Ship, just, really, ship, 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 ship. Yeah. Not boat, not boat. <laughs> I'm like I'm like James Cameron with that. Apparently he corrects okay. anyone and everyone who calls it a boat. He's like, really? no, it's a ship. Oh, that's funny. There's even a line in the movie. Like he wrote a line in the movie. That little girl Cora and her dad are like in Southampton and the dad goes, that's a big boat, huh? And she says, daddy, it's a ship. <laughs> oh, I can remember that. And I always love that he put that in there because it is a ship, not a boat. Yes, okay. Um, okay. A boat are the lifeboats. Uh, yeah, you know, that's true. The ship is the um, ship. Okay, well, there's a shroud of mystery that uh, uh, around the whole disaster and the whole ship, and the movie captures that. And these guys who – these are guys, like older mm-hmm. guys, and they love the movie because they know that it is, like, the best interpretation of this disaster where you can actually see it. Like, documentaries are one thing, mm-hmm. but there's something to actually, like, put yourself in the eyes of a character or a person – who represents or a character who represents a person who was on the ship, you know? Yep, exactly. And, and yeah, how you say, like, if you like the Titanic, you have to like this movie. 
that's how I feel. And like I said, I, I know there are a lot of um, Titanic enthusiasts out there that kind of hate this movie and yeah. um, they just don't like it. And, and I think it's mainly for like the added love story or whatever. But I mean, we'll get into why the love story is actually very important, uh, mm-hmm. especially to this movie's success in particular and why it works on a lot of different levels in relation to the Titanic disaster. But, I mean, if you love Titanic, there really is no better film out there for visuals, period. That alone, I think, makes it the best Titanic film because you're there. And and from the sets to the costuming to the fact that, you know, the visual effects at the time were just good enough to be able to help elevate the movie because the movie was mostly practical effects, but everything was good enough that they that you know they could actually make it look like this stationary ship was moving and they were able to populate the ship with little cg people that are like just passable enough to sell the moment and everything it was it's almost a perfect storm in that way of like what if this movie wasn't made in 1997? What if yeah. it wasn't directed by James Cameron? What if James Horner didn't score the movie? What if CGI wasn't good enough at the time? Like, yeah. or what if CGI was good enough at the time and it was they totally was relied CGI. on CG? Yeah, yeah it's like I, exactly. Look what George Lucas did with the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> like, this they just look terrible. And it, movies from the 90s, especially like ones that are are have the right people behind it are some of the best looking movies because they still relied heavily. It, it was a practical effects were basically at their height because mm-hmm. after that people stopped, went away from practical effects. So mm-hmm. basically like the height of practical effects um, to where the, they used it this much in a movie was the nineties. Like you see Jurassic Park, Titanic, but that's when they were, they were really perfecting practical effects. And then after that they moved to CG, which, uh, you know, for better or for worse at the beginning. Now it's, it looks fine. But I mean, even now, like I'd rather see, look at the Titanic sinking and be like, that's a practical effect, not a, you know, computer generated image. No. Yeah, exactly. So just moving on sort of, uh, well, not sort of, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, so moving on, I did find like a few reviews of the movie that I kind of want to, uh, just read real quick mm-hmm. that I thought were, were pretty interesting. I put the word out about this podcast on social media uh, in the Titanic subreddit as well as the Titanic Enthusiast Facebook group. And honestly, the response was a little bit overwhelming. I wasn't expecting so much of a response. We got like 40 something comments on the uh, Facebook post and, um, you know, a decent response on Reddit. So I don't know how I'm going to actually get to all of those, but probably we'll talk about it more in a general sense. But as far as reviews go, um, there are just a few here that I really liked. Uh, Let's see. So Roger Ebert, who was, of course, you know, legendary film reviewer, uh, back in 1997, he gave Titanic four out of four stars and he was pretty much raving about it. Uh, (laughs) And he said, James Cameron's 194 minute, $200 million film of the tragic voyage is in the tradition of the great Hollywood epics. It is flawlessly crafted, intelligently constructed, strongly acted and spellbinding. If its story stays well within the traditional formulas for such pictures, well, you don't choose the most expensive film ever made as your opportunity to reinvent the wheel. And, you know, he goes on to say, movies like this are not merely difficult 
difficult to make at all, but almost impossible to make well. The technical difficulties are so daunting that it's a wonder when the filmmakers are also able to bring the drama and history into proportion. Uh, He said, the image from the Titanic itself that haunted me ever since I first read the story about the great ship involves the moments right after it sank. The night sea was quiet enough so that the cries for help carried easily across the water to the lifeboats, which drew prudently away. Still dressed up in the latest fashions, hundreds froze and drowned. What an extraordinary position to find yourself in after spending all that money for a ticket on an unsinkable ship. It's crazy. And it's like that right there is like what is so mind-blowing about the movie and just keeps that fascination because you can't write that. Like, like mm. that is just something, you know, James Cameron has said that, that it's like a great novel that really happened. He understood the different aspects to that night and kind of what made it so haunting. And he understood and, how to relay all of that to the masses, yeah. which he did through Jack and Rose. You know, they're a very important element to this movie and its success. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I keep putting that off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's so much to get into. Um, yeah. The Hollywood Reporter uh, dug up their 1997 original review for the 20th anniversary um, and pretty much the main thing I liked here is their bottom line. So like at the beginning of the review, they give like a one sentence little summary that says the bottom line. And I love this. It's so on point. It says, Titanic plums personal and philosophical story depths not usually found in, quote, event scale movies that beneath their girth and pyrotechnics often have nothing at their core. And that's what I'm saying. Like, like that's what's so special about Titanic is that it is such a worldwide, massive event scale movie, but it's actually saying something. Yeah. And and that is why its legacy is enduring. Um, you know, it's yeah. saying something that's so universal, so powerful. And I think actually that uh, the movie is quite underrated because of that. Yeah. Because of its reputation of being a chick flick about, you know, of being overrated, uh, because it's so overplayed. I think there's a difference. It's like overplayed. Mm -hmm. It's not overrated. I don't think it's overrated at all. You know, because of some of the stuff we've talked about so far, how much ground it covers, how, how much of a technical achievement it was, not only for the time, but also continues to be. This movie looks better than movies coming out today and is more effective than a lot of movies coming out today. I think people overlook a lot of the stuff that it's saying and, uh, you know, the message that it's, it's truly sending. I think people overlook a lot of that because of how big and popular it is. So yeah, I'm, I'm here with the hot take that Titanic is underrated. A The people who are saying that the movie is overrated are actually rating the movie, therefore making the movie underrated because they're <laughs> like saying it's not as good as people say it is, but then ev- everyone's saying that, then it's becoming underrated <laughs> because people are saying it's not good, but it is good. <laughs> So the, yeah. them rating it is making it underrated. And I think there's something to say, be said about like the fact that, you know, he had something to say. He didn't have like this agenda to make it like another movie. Like he wanted it to be its own thing. Mm-hmm. And you look at Pearl Harbor, which came out after it. They were capitalizing on the success of something else. Titanic wasn't. It was was is not like anything else you've seen. I mean, it has elements of things, but it's its own movie. It was driven by his own fascination, not by him saying, look, I want to just, you know, get a quick cash grab. Like he, it was a risk. I mean, this movie took years to make. Yeah. Years to make. 
the main popular movies these days are mostly superhero films. Well, yeah, um, <laughs> that's the which, era. You know, More that's era. it. Like that. That's pretty much it. Like, yeah. while those are broad, not everyone goes to see those. It's not like and a, you have to watch a lot of them, like almost sequentially, to understand the next movie, right? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like this was a film that was just like this standalone three hour and fifteen minute thing that just yeah. blew up. Because, I mean, yeah, there was interest in Titanic, uh, you know, the ship, but I don't think it was like, you know, the way like Marvel has their huge built-in fan base, you know? It was definitely like a cult following, I think, of anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's crazy that this was able to do what it did. But yeah, there's a audience sort of review that I really loved this almost made me cry. This is one of the top rated reviews on Amazon for the movie. This person who reviewed it gave it five out of five stars. And the title of their review is Life Changing Film. And his review is as follows. I'm a 19-year-old dude, and this is one of my favorite movies of all time, having really affected who I am. I've always been a history buff, and since I was a little kid, I've been fascinated by the story of the Titanic. When I first watched this film, I meant to watch it only for the historical aspect and planned to disregard the love story aspect because, quote, that's for girls. Well, I was quite mistaken. The story and characters are excellent, and I sort of looked up to Jack as the kind of guy I wanted to be. Just an all-around good guy who treats everyone fairly and will do whatever it takes to protect those who need it. Using this excellently constructed character as one of my role models, I've grown from a depressed young boy with a negative outlook on life to a much more positive, happier young man pursuing a military career at a great school. Moral of the story is, quote, make each day count. And I thank all who were involved in the making of this film for helping bring that message to me. If you haven't watched this movie yet, you really should. I never would have guessed that spending nineteen ninety nine would change me as a person. That's uh, that's actually my review. <laughs> no, that's that really, really touched me. That that's really, a really touched good me. No, that's a good one. Because he got the same message out of it that I did. Yeah. I have a tattoo that says "Make It Count," which I took yeah. from this movie. And that's crazy. Um, you know, reading a review like that really made me emotional. Like I shed a tear when I read that because I was like, "Wow!" Like mm-hmm. that's why I think this movie is underrated. People underrate its power because of how entrenched it is in pop culture and how easy it is to parody. Yeah. And you know, speaking of that, you know moments and stuff that are able to be parodied this is a movie that has so many movie moments right yeah iconic and i don't think movie moments happen anymore like the way you said it's like people will talk about something for a little bit and then they'll move on like i feel like yeah you know you have that today like maybe there'll be something that happens in a movie where you know it'll be memed or something mm. and it'll it'll be something people meme and talk about for like a few months and then they'll move on like bird box yeah exactly that's that's already gone like you know what i mean yeah. and you know people were saying how that was like a cultural phenomenon i'm like okay but like it's already gone like no one even cares anymore and that like that happened like so quickly yeah. so it's it's really not the same i was gonna say the only movie like recent movie that i can even think of that had that kind of thing was maybe la la land where they had kind of like it had a really kind of iconic moments within the movie but you see though I haven't seen it and I don't know any of those moments oh really whereas I think almost everyone on the planet yeah even if you don't see it right? even yeah. if you haven't seen Titanic you are still aware of these cultural things yeah so it's like I went down like just some of the moments off the top of my head that are 
huge pop culture references that mm-hmm. most people on the planet probably know. I'm flying. I'm the king of the world. Yeah. Uh, everyone is probably familiar with the heart of the ocean necklace. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows my heart will go on. The draw me like one of your French girls line. Uh, and then the actual drawing itself and the pose that she's in. Mm-hmm. The it's been 84 years quote. Uh, yeah. uh, Rose's hand on the car window. Yeah. You jump, I jump. And even just the movie did so much to just propel the image of Titanic into all of our memories as well. So it's like the image of the ship sinking, you know, propped up out of the water, the, you know, the iceberg and just all of this stuff. It just further put like Titanic in, you know, the public consciousness so much more than it already would have been, you know. Yeah, there's just and that was just stuff off the top of my head. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot more like smaller things and lines and stuff that I'm forgetting. There's a very short list of movies that have like just so many iconic scenes and like moments or almost like every scene is like iconic in mm-hmm. a way. I mean, like I think of Star Wars, right? That's like, you know, along with Titanic, like one of the biggest movies of all time or like. Hey, but you know what? There's right? an amazing video that I love. It's of George Lucas. I don't know if you've seen this. He's no. on the set of one of the later Star Wars movies or something. I'm, I'm actually not sure. But whatever movie he's making, he's talking to the um, cinematographer or whatever. And he's like, well, we're never going to beat Titanic. Nobody can. <laughs> <laughs> and then funny. someone said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, nobody can. It was just one of these things. Like when when Star Wars first came out, it was just, yeah. he, like he says, he was like, it was just this thing that happened in a time and place and it's never going to be duplicated. And I'm like, thanks, George Lucas. And it's uh, and it's very comparable, I think, to as far as like that cultural impact to Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. Like you had people going to see the movie multiple times and like obsessing about it before it was like when it was first released and just having this attachment to it no honestly i mean it's great like yeah like i know some people that haven't seen it and then when they see it they're just like oh there's that thing there's that mm-hmm. thing there's that moment there's that moment it's just that's like the whole movie i watched the movie um for the first time all the way through in 2012 and i it's like i felt like i had seen it already and i had mm-hmm. to like ask myself i was like no i haven't seen it there's no way i've seen it all the way through because i would have known this and there were some mm-hmm. parts that i didn't that like I didn't know how they went but yeah it was just like you feel like you've seen it without seeing it all the way mm-hmm. through and yeah there's not a there's like a handful of movies that are have that impact yeah it's crazy all right so looking at some of the responses I got in the Titanic enthusiast group I was really 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 nervous to post about this podcast in there because you know I, I'm a member of that group and it's you know it's a group uh, pretty much dedicated you know just to the history um, yeah. oh, and they okay. kind of they kind of discourage any talk mm-hmm. about the movie um, mm-hmm. especially Jack and Rose and stuff uh, <laughs> but but at the same time it's like I, I understand where they're coming from but yeah the movie is so important to um, you know, Titanic's legacy and the public. It's like impossible to talk about Titanic without mentioning this movie at least like once, you know? It's part of the history at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, when you go to the Titanic museums, they sell so much merch related yeah. to the movie in their in their gift shop. Like you can buy a Heart of the Ocean necklace. You can yeah. buy all this stuff at Titanic museums. And like I said, uh, they love it. The people there love the Titanic movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, was, I was very interested to hear what actual Titanic enthusiasts uh, think of the movie and honestly I was quite surprised um, it's mostly positive um, oh, wow. and a lot of people are in uh, the same situation I am where 
this movie was their gateway drug really to <laughs> to learning more about Titanic. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that is something that you have to commend the movie for or at least like even if you don't like the movie, you have to respect it for that reason. You know, James Cameron educated the general public in a way that didn't feel foreign. I was watching an old interview with James Cameron the other day, and I loved what he said. I'll probably put a clip of it in here. I think, to sum it up very succinctly, it's make it accessible somehow. Make Titanic accessible. Not that it's inaccessible in a way, but but get us get the audience over that hump of watching a period film where people dress differently and they speak differently and it all happened 85 years ago and who cares get them in get them involved subjectively in the event and there's only one way to do that which is through characters through characters that you really love and 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 care about and you know we fall in love with jack and rose as they fall in love with each other you know up on the screen and then there's a certain point where we realize we're on the ship with them you know, I'm talking about as, as an audience experientially, you know, in the, in the watching of the film. And I think that you can't do that in a docudrama format where you have a multiplicity of characters and you do them all perfect historical justice. We very, very carefully observed the history and carefully observed the, the, the detail of the, of, of the physicality of the film, you know, creating the sets and so on. But, but ultimately, it's... It's an experience. It's an emotional experience. That's why the present day element is so important to the movie's success, I think, because it bridges mm-hmm. that gap between us now and 1912. It, it yeah. makes it so that it's not so foreign to us that people have memories of this stuff, you know, that there were people that actually, you know, survived and, you know, experienced this thing. But yeah, and we'll definitely get into more of that Uh but yeah, a lot of the comments on here, um, just going through some, uh, um, this guy, Scott uh, Kramers, he said, the podcast mm-hmm. sounds very intriguing. I like the film from a historical accuracy aspect. No doubt the most realistic picture we will ever get of what really happened that tragic night. A well done movie overall, in my opinion, and the numbers slash statistics uh, prove that to this day. However, like most films, it had to be a historic romantic tragedy type film. Such a shame in that aspect. If I intend to watch a historical movie, I do not enjoy the interference of romantic conflicts. On the other hand, it did depict a good visual on historical context with male-female social status that I did appreciate seeing. Um, And again, like, there are a lot of other comments in here. Um, Well, there's at least a few other ones that, you know... Uh, say you know I could do without the romance and you know but but thankfully you know there I was surprised to see that there are a lot of enthusiasts in here that um, appreciate the romance and they understand yeah. um, its its impact and you know the, the purpose it served there's a stigma around kind of romance like romance but like look at the most the biggest uh, uh, literary genius of the entire history, which was Shakespeare. Like mm-hmm. He understood that what draws people in is the romance because people relate to that. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, it's not just cheap. It's, there's something beautiful about it. And if it's done well, which it is in this movie and in Romeo and Juliet and which Leonardo DiCaprio was both in. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> the movie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was like the year before this, right? 
96. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, yeah. But I mean, but there's, if it's done right, it's effective. And, and to say that you don't like it is maybe just a result of you just feeding into that stigma that I think is unfair. Mm-hmm. An unfair stigma. Yeah, and it was like that review I read where he said, oh, I, he was automatically going to go into it disregarding the romance because that's for girls. Mm-hmm. First of all, it takes two to tango, right? Like, in order to be in love, yeah. the guy has to be in love, too. It's yeah. like, it's like are guys incapable of feeling emotions? <laughs> like, like I don't, it, it just, you know, yeah. it, it goes back to that whole thing of where it's like, oh, well, if women like it, it must not be that serious or it must not be that good and, and romance is just catered to women and you know, it just goes back to all of that. And one of the reasons why I like Titanic so much is because of its, you know, messages about things that are much, you know, much more than that, you know, love, life, uh, loss, death, you feel elation and you feel devastation and you feel all of this stuff, emotions that are not limited to one kind of person, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah. and, you know, when, when you actually watch the movie and, and go into it with an open mind and put away all of your cynicism and just, yeah. you know, watch it for what it is. I am, I am sure that you will get something out of it. Like even me, someone who has seen this movie at least, this is a low number for me to be saying for at least a hundred times no over, way. The, over the course of my life. I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's crazy. When, I didn't, I thought you'd maybe say like 30. <laughs> no, when I was a kid, I watched this movie like three times a week all the way through when I was a kid. I, I was obsessed Holy and I did God. that for like two years. Like I was, I was so obsessed. So I was like, I know this movie so well. But to this day, every time I watch it, I notice something different or I get Mm. something different out of it emotionally or like spiritually or whatever. Every time I watch it, like I learn something new, um, I take something different away from it. That's just one more thing that, you know, goes to support why it has such a strong legacy. This is a movie that deserves multiple rewatches because, like I said, there's something there for everybody. And um I touched on this quickly, but the main objective I think James Cameron set out to do here is to make sure the audience understands what it was like to be on the Titanic, the experience of being on the ship. He did exactly what you need to do to get people invested and feel like they are on that ship. The important thing about that, too, is that he understood that Titanic itself is a character. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there are so many people who disregard the whole first half of the movie. Uh, and, th- and that goes along too with like, oh, the first half is just nothing but a stupid romance. The only good part is the second half when all the action happens and the ship sinks. And it's like, okay, first of all, that seems like a very, you know, typical thing to say to avoid showing any emotion um but but people don't realize that yeah the romance takes up a lot of the first half of the movie but the first half of the movie is really about the voyage you know like titanic Mm -hmm. in all of its glory we get to see what makes the ship tick we get to see it sailing and in the beautiful daylight and all this stuff that you don't really get to see in like any other titanic movie most movies about the titanic are centered around the sinking for the most part, because it's like, oh, that's all anyone cares about, about Titanic. We just want to see it sink. James Cameron, he understood that the voyage is just as important. A hundred percent. And it, yeah. And if we don't get to experience the voyage, we aren't going to appreciate the sinking to the magnitude that we're supposed to, you know what I mean? So it's like, so it's like these people that fast forward the movie and only watch the sinking, they're missing out on 
everything that James Cameron wanted you to feel. He wanted you to explore the ship with Jack and Rose. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why those characters are so important because they are essentially our eyes and ears, right? Yeah. So, and, you know, people get mad at the fact that they're not historical characters, that they're fictional, but it's like, you don't need historical characters to do that. Like, you know what I mean? And there it's are like, historical characters sprinkled throughout. The oh, movie. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not it's not like there's no historical information in this movie at all. Like, yeah, like this movie is just historical enough to, you know, educate the general public on the Titanic and mm-hmm. and the sinking and then some of the things that led up to it. And a lot of the other historical characters like, you know, Bruce Ismay and Thomas Andrews and Molly Brown and the officers and the captain and. Yeah. You know, you get all of that. All of that is in there. But Jack and Rose are kind of us. And, you know, while they're going on this adventure, you know, between the two of them and this romance, you know, we pretty much get to see every part of the ship uh, yeah. with them. They, you know, from mm-hmm. the way they have them running around uh, during the sinking as well, we see like all these different yeah. areas of the ship while they're sinking. And in some of these areas, they're revisiting. So it's like we got to see them before the sinking and now we see it while it's sinking and it's like you feel that devastation this was a brand new ship <laughs> like you know the china was not it was unused right yep and yeah. and yeah it's it's so new and and they they spent all this time building it and you know we get to appreciate that in the first half of the movie so that when it starts to sink and the iceberg comes along if you really allow yourself to get wrapped up in the beginning you're like the people on board you know what i mean you're like you forget mm-hmm. that you're on this ship that's gonna sink <laughs> like you know what i mean it's like yeah, yeah. you're loving the experience of this beautiful ship just as much as the passengers were and as soon as this tragedy strikes you're like oh my god right like this is what this yeah. is actually about and once that happens it's if if we didn't have the first half of the movie the sinking wouldn't be as impactful yeah there's something to say about kind of watching a movie and almost yeah, keep forgetting almost that, like, the impending doom, even though it's it's in our subconscious, but to forget and just, like, appreciate the beauty of this boat and, like... Ship. 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 Sorry, James Cameron and Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to keep happening, by the way. I just... Oh, God. But, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, but, you, I mean, you can, you can see the layout of the, of the ship, like, just... You can envision it, even though you don't see every single nook and cranny but you can envision it Mm -hmm. which is cool right so something else just a few things uh i wanted to touch on this movie is it's kind of built on setups and payoffs yeah like literally like like the entire movie is setups and payoffs as a viewer you're constantly being satisfied as the movie goes on like nothing feels wasted oh this happened and then it pays off like 20 minutes later or it pays off in the end or um mm-hmm. whatever like like there's it, it feels like every single scene every single line matters in my opinion you know there are people that think the movie's too long that they that they could have cut out you know, the present day stuff and it would have had the same impact, but I don't think so at all. And of course we're going to get into that. But yeah, you know, there are so many things. And and again, there are a lot of things that are overlooked uh, as far as as setups and payoffs go that are just so subtle and effective. Yeah, that's a definite Mm -hmm. thing that this movie uh, does really, really well. And also just quickly going back to getting something new out of the movie every single time I watch it. There's a quote from James Cameron when 
the movie was re-released in 2012. Uh, he did a bunch of interviews and he said exactly what I think and feel. And I felt so validated when he said it. Uh, he said, I think Titanic will have a different meaning to people who saw it 14, 15 years ago that have gone on in their lives, maybe gotten married, maybe they have children, maybe they're going to look at love and life and what has meaning differently now than they did they did then maybe it'll be less about the kind of the glow of romantic love which is a, which is a, a sort of a teenage idea and more about that sense of of duty and what we're here on this this planet for and and what we mean to each other and all those things that older audience members get out of it. So, you know, Titanic always has something for you, no matter what your age. There's something there for everyone at every age, and it's so amazing. And something interesting, uh, just, you know, thinking about Titanic's enduring appeal, mm -hmm. is, you know, the little thing called uh, Leomania that happened in <laughs> the 90s. I, rem I actually do remember, have a lot of Leomania memories, to be uh, honest, just with like, I, my best friend growing up was a girl, and, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of stuff happening. <laughs> and it's crazy because, okay, obviously, yeah, this was a thing that happened. He just blew up, became this huge icon. What's crazy to me is that girls still love young Leo. Current generation teenage girls. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. You know, there are some things from like my mom's generation or my Nana's generation where they had like a gorgeous guy in a movie that was like gorgeous to them, but I'll watch it and I'll be like, ew. Uh, <laughs> like yeah. I'll be like, I know he's... What you mean. But it's so funny. And so like on social media, yeah. it's crazy. If you go in the tags on Instagram, Jack Dawson, there's like a hundred thousand posts. If you go into like Titanic, there are Titanic fan accounts for the yeah. movie to this day. They're active. They have thousands of followers. They get thousands of likes on their posts. And it's not like they have a lot of content to post. Like, you know what I mean? They only have like yeah. this one movie and behind the scenes stuff <laughs> and photos. That's it. But like, there are so many accounts and they all post the same stuff and everyone follows it. And then on top of that, there are a million young Leo slash 90s Leo Instagram accounts of like mm. current teenage girls who are just obsessed with this small bubble in time. They're living in this time period where they're, it's just perpetually 1993 to 1999. So weird. All of these accounts, like I was looking further into it and a lot of them are new. Some of them were just created this month. Some of them were created like the end of last year. They already have thousands of followers and it's it's so why? weird and it's if there's already like a bunch of 90s leo accounts why do you need to make a new one <laughs> no I that's the thing it. it's because it's because all these other people end up falling in love with 90s leo and they need to get it out of their system oh, so they geez. make an account <laughs> that's crazy there, i mean there, there's stuff like that i know like there's accounts for like older i know at least like females like there's like audrey hepburn ones mm -hmm. people with like younger guys being like in love with Audrey Hepburn or like, mm -hmm. but yeah, I know 90s Leo was a phenomenon and it's almost part of the, I think it's part of the reason why a lot of people hate on it because yep. that kind of precedes the movie itself. The fact that so many girls were watching it for Leonardo DiCaprio, mm -hmm. it, it almost undercut the purpose of the movie mm -hmm. for better or for worse. You know, you got to think, would the movie have been what it was if anyone else played Jack Dawson? I think it would have, but... But I think the character required this 
certain amount of like boyish charm and oh yeah um, of course like this magnetic quality where you would believe that someone like rose would be drawn to him and i don't think if anyone else had played it it wouldn't have it wouldn't have gone over the same i don't think yeah because it's still a phenomenal movie the subject matter whatever like it still would have been on point it's done perfectly the disaster is done perfectly the journey of the ship is done perfectly all the set pieces so i'm when i'm saying that i mean like it still would have been one of my favorite movies without leonardo dicaprio if it was Mm -hmm. but casting is so important though no it is it is there's a video of Kate Winslet's first screen test for it and she's Mm -hmm. paired up with Jeremy Sisto oh that's really random as Jack Dawson and it's terrible yeah like there's no chemistry he's super bland it's just really awkward it it does make you think like wow if it was anyone else in these roles what would this movie have been like I'm gonna almost say though not even just Leonardo DiCaprio I think that without Kate Winslet it would have been an even an even bigger difference because it's her movie it's her movie you can make a case that I can't even think of who else would have replaced Leonardo DiCaprio, but you could make a case that if it were someone else, maybe it would have had less hate on it and therefore um, people would actually appreciate the movie for what it was Mm -hmm. because I think it was more DiCaprio hate than it was Titanic hate. But I think Kate Winslet is more crucial to the movie than DiCaprio. And I like DiCaprio. It's Mm -hmm. not a knock on him. I'm just saying like uh, between the two. Yeah. But it, but I do think that his enduring appeal is fascinating. Like, of course, yeah, it's it is a phenomenon. I teach high schoolers. I teach a class about like examining pop culture, and and you know, I had told them that Titanic's my favorite movie, and they asked me why, so I told them a little bit about it, and then like one of the girls was like, "Young Leonardo DiCaprio was so cute." I was like, "Actually, yeah, guys. Question: Is he still considered cute to you guys?" And these are like 14, 15 year old girls of like all ethnicities, all cultural backgrounds, because I teach in the city. And across the board, they all said, yeah, he's gorgeous. And I was like, wow, okay, <laughs> it's crazy. So, you That's know, there, there are a lot of different elements to it. Like, you know, getting a younger audience to sit through mm-hmm. a three hour and 15 minute movie is easier because they have these people to look at, yeah, <laughs> you know? For exactly, exactly. Um, I'd be curious to see what happened if like Jonathan Taylor Thomas was Jack. yeah. Yeah, he was a thing. I'm just kind of curious, like, what would have happened? Like, yeah. I always like to think about, like, they always say, like, Tom Selleck was going to be Indiana Jones, and I'm like, can't even fathom that. But, like, <laughs> just weird stuff like that, like, would be casting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of fun. But, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. We'll never know, but we'll it never is definitely know. something, a phenomenon to look at. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, as far as our introduction goes, I think think that's everything I wanted to touch on for now. Yeah. I know there were a lot of comments uh, that we got that we didn't get to get to, but uh, I do want to say uh, we want to put it out there. If you have any thoughts on any specific scene, please feel free to email us at uh, titanicscenebyscene at gmail.com. I also made a bunch of socials for the podcast, so we are at Titanic by Scene on Twitter and Instagram, and James Cameron's Titanic Scene by Scene on Facebook. Uh, so yeah, feel free to follow us there for you know updates when new episodes are out, and I'll probably <laughs> I'm probably going to turn into one of those Titanic fan accounts and be posting a lot of Titanic <laughs> content, uh, the same old content everyone posts. But hey, mm-hmm. uh, you never get tired of it, much like the movie itself. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, all that good stuff. We will be moving on to the scenes now, which is super exciting. I'm really excited to start digging into the movie. So we will see you guys in the next episode, which will be talking about scene number one, Ghost Ship. So it's very, mm-hmm. very exciting. So cool. thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. See you.